Empire. Tell me what you were feeling, if you can. So one of the things that you know frustrated me to you know no end was the fact that you know people were asking me, the PDs were asking, hey, do you feel like you're getting better? Is the pain less here when you go here? Can you extend this more? And I'm just thinking here, I'm like, I don't actually know. Can you just tell me if I'm getting better or not? <laughs> I'm just in pain. I need to know if I'm getting better or not. That's Michael Chu, CEO of K-Motion, where the wearable may be helping you tell your story more accurately. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Here on the East Coast, we recently had a wicked heat wave. It wasn't exactly golf weather, but the lifers, they got to get out there. And whether the weather is playing fair or not, Bodo Sieber of Tag Marshall is helping solve one of the age-old golf problems of pace of play. Get moving. We'll get to him in a bit, but most of us hackers have been part of that problem, so who are we to judge, right? Michael Chu's team at K-Motion is helping all athletes, but specifically golfers, get better with wearable technology that can improve swings, identify some injury, and just make the game less daunting. Our guest this week is Michael Chu, who is the CEO of K-Motion, which is an industry leader in wearable motion training technology. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Bram. I'm doing really well. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, let's start with what you guys do. So what do you do? So we put sensors on the body of athletes. Um, we look at how they move in 3D. Uh, we figure out what their weaknesses are, and then we give them biofeedback cues to help them fix their issues in real time. And how did you get into this space? <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit of a, a bit of a story here. Um, my background is in technology. I was, at a, I was at LinkedIn on the product and engineering side for about five years. Um, and after leaving that, I played sports my entire life. I really enjoyed playing volleyball. Um, but there was a point where the knee injuries were piling up, and uh, and people were, my, you know, my PTs were telling me, hey, you got to strengthen your knees, you got to strengthen the ligaments around your knees, you got to do squats. Um, and I, you know, show up to the gym, I start doing free weight squats. I have no idea what I'm doing. My back is rounding, my knees are caving in, and I'm just like, gosh, wouldn't it be great if my iPhone would just watch me from the side and yell at me if I'm doing something wrong? And so uh, I was going to go build this company and, um, you know, pitch this to one of my friends who was the second engineer at Dropbox, Albert Nee, and he just started laughing because he, um, he had just uh, came alongside um, his friend Steve Diamond and invested in K-Motion. Um, and so I tried out the product. It was sensors, and it was first um, very much golf-based. And uh, I tried it out, and I was like, holy cow, this is the future. Um, I played tennis in, in high school, and I was really bad, and, and I didn't know how to use my core to generate power. And I'm like, i got to get involved. And, and so I've been involved since, uh, I believe, 2000, uh, 2016. You know, it's amazing. We've talked to a lot of people in this sector of this industry, and all of them start with this similar thing where there were injuries that occurred, and then people told you you need to strengthen this, this area of your body, but you literally didn't know how to do it. Right. I mean, is that kind of at the core of the problem here that you that no one everyone said you had to do this, but no one told you the solution of how to do it right? Exactly. Exactly. That's completely right. And and not only that, um, especially if you're a beginner trying to master emotion for the first time. One of the things that's very discouraging is if you mess up and it kind of sets you back a couple of weeks. 
um, and, but you don't know what you did. Like there's a million things you can do wrong before you start doing it right. Or you, you know, you go see one, someone and, and try to do it right from the beginning. But you're not a doctor or physical trainer, right? There, there's no training. You, you played sports, but you, were, you don't have that kind of background, right? Correct, correct. This is just uh, a lot of internet Googling, talking now. As I've been in the industry for a number of years, um, you know, we've worked closely with, uh, with entities like TPI, um, where I've started to really dig into the research and the science behind it. Um, I personally have been to over 20 uh, physical therapists in the past couple of years for my own injuries just to you know, learn a little bit more, see the different techniques, see how people diagnose, um, because I think all of this uh, is, is still in its infancy when it comes to figuring out exactly what is wrong with the human body. And how are you interacting with the products now, with the medical field, so that the data and the information is implemented correctly? I think we're so. I got off a call on Friday where we were uh, we were talking with uh, Dr. Mike Voigt, um, and he uh, was looking at some of the stuff that we're doing with uh, the sensor data uh, when it comes to squats and physical screens. And so, if you can imagine, you go to your your average PT, um, they'll do you know a quick eye test of hey you know turn your neck to the left, turn your neck to the right, bend down, touch your toes. It's very very quick because they just want to spot check to see if there's any you know glaring weaknesses. Um, what our tech does is because it's so precise, um, you know, a quarter of the degree of accuracy, um, you get a very, very good sense of what's changing from session to session. So one of the things that, you know, frustrated me to, you know, no end was the fact that, you know, people were asking me, the PDs were asking me, hey, do you feel like you're getting better? Is the pain less here when you go here? Can you extend this more? And I'm just thinking here, I'm like, I don't actually know. Can you just tell me if I'm getting better or not? Cause <laughs> I'm just in pain. I need to know if I'm getting better or not. So that's what kind of, you know, that's one of the ways people use their technology. Your group has had a lot of success, and you mentioned golf. You've had a lot of success with some of the top-ranked golfers um, in the world. Can you kind of take us through the evolution of that and how you've helped PGA players? Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, for, for a long time, we've been more focused on um, the highest and um, the elite, elite golf, uh, golf coaches with their players. Um, people like Claude Harmon, um, they, you know, they don't need to use um, our product in every single session with their players. But one of the things that's been consistent is, let's say, you know, there's a Ricky Fowler or someone who's, you know, hitting at their peak. Um, wouldn't it be great to understand what exactly your body was doing when it was at its very best? Um, because if you ever go into an injury or a slump or just hitting the ball a little bit different, something's a little tighter, something's a little off, um, can you get back into the swing that you were doing when you were um, you know, winning, winning titles? So um, there's, a lot, again, a lot of different ways to use it, but that's where we kind of started uh, with, with the elite. For the average golfer, uh, obviously, look, the movement here needs to be very specific to be successful. Um, so for the average golfer, for people like myself, what could they get out of working with your company and using your products? So that's been a, that's been a, that's a good question. That's been something we've been really focused on for the past, I'd say, a year and a half, two years. Um, as mentioned, I, don't, I, I didn't play any golf. I'm actually learning golf for the first time. Um, and it's really remarkable how quickly you can learn if your brain just knows where to be. Um, and so, you know, one of the things, and again, everyone's different. Everyone learns different. So I'm not going to try to prescribe, hey, this is exactly what you should do. Um, but we know that if you've got a pretty stable athletic posture from, um, you know, to, to hit the ball from, you're going to hit the ball better. 
Um, and uh, a lot of what not only the elite players work on is, you know, your setup position, your beginners, you know, that's, that's kind of what you work on too. A lot of people come with misconceptions of, you know, how hunched over, how standing straight up you need to be, and just some quick adjustments and some, you know, rough guidelines are generally enough to get even beginners um, up and running. And so a lot of the stuff we've been doing over the past six months is developing reports um, in, in, in much more colloquial terms to explain to, say, a beginning golfer of what they can expect as a roadmap to their progress. Um, let's talk about kind of a general picture here. What do the athletes, they tell you, what do they want to know about the way they move? There's a lot of different ways we can go. I'll go with one of the, the most exciting metrics I've seen it done in recently, and this is in baseball. So in baseball, there's a metric that we measure very, very well. It's called time to contact. But basically, it's a measure of the time it takes from you to kind of initiate the first part of your swing to the time you hit the ball. And obviously, when it comes to hitting, if your time to contact is very, 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 very high, you're never going to play pro ball. And because we measure it so accurately, um, that's an example of something that these players are trying to figure out. Hey, what's the threshold to hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? Because um, at this point, it's all physics and science where, you know, you have, let's say, a six-foot-tall pitcher. He's got a wingspan of this. He's got, you know, a release point here. Um, he throws this quickly. The plate is this far from the mound. Um, if I'm not, you know, a time, if I don't have a time to contact of a certain amount, you know, every time I'm just going gonna, gonna to whiff. Um, so kind of seeing how those metrics are now being embraced by some of these athletes um, has been very, very, very cool to see because it's, it's real progress that you get. We've talked here about the, the personal athlete and what they can gain out of this. Are you guys working with teams and leagues as well? We are. Um, at this point, um, over 20 of the Major League Baseball teams use our product, um, and uh, there's a bunch of these academies, and, and, uh, and, and especially in baseball, that are kind of heating up based on you know what they can do with the data. I mean, it's a progression. If you look at the industry, um, obviously it started with video, and then you started to add um, you know launch monitors and uh, and things that kind of measure the outcome of uh, of the ball. And so, how far did you hit it? How hard did you hit it? How hard did you throw? Um, those are all things that people care about. I can throw, you know, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. What do I need to do to get to, you know, a 96-mile-an-hour fastball? That's not answered by those technologies. And so you kind of got this revolution going on where um, it's all about figuring out, well, what is the cause to that 95-mile-an-hour fastball? What is the body doing? What can the body do um, to achieve the outcomes that you want to achieve? So that's kind of, um, you know, our sweet spot of where we come in, and that's why we're seeing adoption across whether they're organizations or serious athletes alike, um, and, and that's where we fit in. It's funny, though, because you go back to what we were talking about earlier, which was people were telling you a long time ago, this is what you need to do, but they didn't know how to tell you how to do it. So I wonder if there's kind of a wave of a change of people that work within the physical training departments of these teams to implement what they learn about you. Because you would think that these old school methodologies are being replaced, and maybe the people are as well? I think you're spot on there. So I was at a, a conference uh, earlier last year, World Golf Fitness Summit, that's hosted by uh, Greg Rose and TPI. And um, there was a speaker there who basically, you know, fought this fight for about 10 years in baseball. Um, and only now are we seeing, you know, complete organizations, like organizations just completely change their staff. I think there's a record number of hitting coaches this year in, in Major League Baseball that never played pro ball. Um, or I think even maybe minor league ball, there's some stat there. 
and it's changing because of, of, of what you can do with technology, um, different approaches uh, to the game. So absolutely, that's, that's changing. All right, I'll leave you with this. Um, what are you guys not able to know about that you'd like to know about more in the future? Um, I think, I think the, the biggest question will always come back to how, how customizable can you make it per, for the player? Like what are the true similarities that you should prescribe to everyone? Um, for example, if your back looks like this versus your hips, you're going to hurt yourself. There's a category of things that are like almost universal truth, and then there's a category of things that you never want to prescribe and you always want to adjust for. And kind of figuring out what those really are, I think that would be very, very uh, interesting to know. Michael Chu is the CEO of K-Motion. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. Up next, Bodo Sieber is putting AI in the golf cart of the person charged with getting your foursome to keep up. The CEO of Tag Marshall joins us next. This is the Future Sport Podcast. It is that time of year in America where it gets hot and you're on the course and you want the pace of play to just get moving. Tag Marshall is trying to fix one of golf's unsolvable problems, keeping the pace of play on time. And Bodo Sieber is the CEO and co-founder, and he joins us now. Hi, Bodo. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, great, uh, great to be on the show with you. Uh, I mentioned America because you were actually speaking to us from South Africa, and it's winter. So, uh, But I guess the golf is just fine down there, right? Uh, yeah, there, there is a bit less uh, volume that's going through the courses here. Uh, uh, and as you're saying, winter's starting, so we've got a bit more rain at the moment. Uh, I'll be at our Atlanta office, so um, I'll certainly take my short sleeves and uh, get ready for some, some golf in, in Georgia when I come through in, in two weeks' time again. Yes. Uh, what does Tag Marshall do? Um, Tag Marshall is a, a technology uh, that supports uh, golf course operators to uh, present their course at, in the best possible way. So we are an optimization solution that looks at the pace of play and the flow of play and everything that happens on course and brings uh, data into the space so that uh, the course can, um, you know, can provide the best possible experience to the, to the players that come through. And as you know, and you mentioned that uh, in your intro, uh, pace is a hotly debated and very emotional topic and uh, for the longest time and with traditional methods has been very, very difficult to manage. And this is where we have uh, created a technology that's now been going for five years and where we've, we've tracked uh, over 7 million rounds of golf and, and helped improve those uh, to really get um, oversight into the space and, and results. And, uh, and this is what we're bringing into, uh, into the industry, and, and very successfully so. Um, the big issue that, that pops up in my mind is you can't make people hit the ball straight. So how do you get around bad players as you try to maximize pace of play? Oh, um, as you know, there's a rule for anything in golf. Uh, it's one of the most uh, rules-geared and based uh, sports um, there is, and, and a lot comes down to, obviously, self-management and players being more or less compliant with the rules. So the nice thing about golf is that with the handicapping system that any player, if they are uh, more or less au fait with, um, with, with how to play, should be getting around the course in a reasonable time. 
Um, so it's, uh, whether you hit the ball straight or whether you don't get the distance in your drive, that really shouldn't matter because you can adjust your game if you're mindful to still go through at a reasonable pace. And sometimes that means I just concede and I'm not going to get a decent score at this hole. Let me try the next one. Maybe I have to pick up my ball um, and, and, and realize that uh, it was too much of a challenge. But uh, it's really interesting what happens. And obviously we're tracking a lot of data. Also we can see the, the higher handicap uh, handicappers going in. If they play appropriate generally there's no issue. And what's really uh, 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 fun is that yesterday, I believe it was uh, Women's Golf Day, um, which is, uh, I don't know if you, you must have seen that in, in the social channels, a big drive to get more women and girls onto the golf course. So we looked into our data for that and, uh, and we looked, uh, what, is there any difference uh, in uh, women uh, and female play versus male because obviously there's lots of debates and, and sometimes people think that maybe women are a bit slower because they're not uh, hitting a ball as, as, as far. But our data, strictly the data, at a lot of courses that are doing women events or women days, um, they are generally as quick or quicker than the, the regular play. And the, the truth is that they just play off appropriate tees and they're generally uh, maybe more mindful because there are perceptions um, so, uh, and, and the same counts for, uh, for what you might call a bad player or a beginner player. And um, it's really a case of them uh, understanding the etiquette. And, and, and the beauty is if you have data and if you have a, a system that helps you manage your course and also helps the player self-regulate and self-manage, um, then nobody should ever get uh, 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 behind and, and falling out of position. I mean, I do wonder, too, and this is just clearly perception of men and women on a golf course, but the ego gets in the way of a man. You know, doesn't that seem to fit the model here that the ego gets in the way that they will not move along because they feel as if they need to correct themselves on the course, even at the cost of pace of play? Absolutely, and, and that transcends into daily life and uh, um, it's, it's much more dangerous to be a man in terms of causes of death because we're reckless and we don't necessarily <laughs> uh, yeah, want to obey the rules and we think we've got it all down. And, and you, you're absolutely right. Uh, ego gets in the way and we want to play off the, the toughest uh, tees if we can and impress our friends. And then sometimes uh, we're biting off too much of the cherry and, and, and women generally are more, more mindful of that and they don't have to prove anything because they know they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into this? Were you like a frustrated golfer? Um, it wasn't me. Um, I would be the cause of frustration uh, if, if it comes down to it. <laughs> um, don't, uh, don't ask me about my, about my game, but uh, I'm, uh, I've got a, an extensive technology background with uh, over a decade spent in um, optimization systems and, and data analytics. And uh, a good friend of mine came to me and said, hey, I've just had the most frustrating round of golf. And there were three groups backed up on the 15th, a beautiful Saturday. We've look, been looking forward to this, playing with, uh, with my friends. And the entire round, we had to wait and we were jammed and we were backed up. And at this point, we were already an hour over what we thought we would play. And, and then uh, we'd all had enough. So a number of people phoned management and said, yeah, sorry, I'll our ranger's been on lunch and he's probably on the front nine and uh, we'll see what we can do. But at that point, the experience was ruined. So he came uh, uh, to myself and, and said, well, you're the nerd and, and you and your team, you've got, uh, uh, don't you have an idea of, of what can be done here with technology? Because surely there's got to be a better way than, than uh, as far as I can see and using pen and paper to try and manage this. And, and that was in 2014. And uh, fast forward a couple of years and we did have the tools. We did have the, the, the the insight and uh, the experience to to create something and obviously we've learned a lot since but uh, we are now with our technology on eight of the top 10 u.s public courses including 
uh, the US Open hosts uh, that, that's up and coming and, and also a, a large number of really high-end private clubs. And the one thing that they have all in common is they are trying to provide the best possible player experience and they have voted that pace of play, the flow of play, the time it takes to, uh, takes to play is a key factor in that. And they, yeah, they're very happy to have at last have a, a system and technology that helps them do that really well. So uh, take us through it. How does it work? Is this like monitoring somehow where people are on the course and then alerting them that they are getting behind? Like, how, do, how does this get implemented on the course? Yes, yeah, great question. Um, so, uh, so there's two ways in which Time Marshall works. Um, we do have a, a passive classic system where a lot of courses, and, and that was our tra- traditional and, and uh, our traditional implementation method, um, they're very traditional and classic courses, and they're saying, well, our players are trying to get away from a screen, so we're not going to give one in their hands. They'd rather have something that's unobtrusive, and we are using uh, a series of uh, little GPS trackers that where we're tracking walking golfers or carts as well, and those they send information to our system, and our system then makes sense of it with um, you know, the, really the best algorithms in the industry to ensure that um, that management can very accurate, accurately manage and assist players rather than looking for problems. They can go and assist players and make sure that they get back in position. And uh, so it's not a case of three or four groups are ruining the day for 10 or 15 or 20 other groups behind them. And this was a classic way. And uh, because a lot of uh, courses that we've spoken to have said, well, this is such amazing data. And obviously, it makes so much sense to, to track certain metrics so we know um, we, we are getting better and we are maybe adjusting our setups and maybe we're adjusting our courses slightly so we can get a better flow out of it. But why can't we give that information back to the players so they can better self-manage? So we've brought out this year our two-way solution, which um, which goes in a bit more in the traditional GPS space where you've got your uh, a screen that's either walking or installed in a cart so that the players will have uh, yardage and range finding and all those classic uh, front-end uh, benefits, but a really accurate pace status in terms of you're ahead or you're on pace or you're currently delaying another group by so and so many minutes, you're out of position or you are being delayed by somebody else and that all gets dynamically calculated and it's really amazing what happens if players have got this information and they know that it's reliable, they generally um, adjust their game a bit because nobody wants to be slow and nobody wants to be out of position so uh, giving them that information uh, really helps uh, everybody stay a bit more accountable and everybody have a better time out there. Uh, and listen, and, and there's nothing worse than standing on the tee box, looking at the group in front of you, waiting for them to move, the pressure they're feeling of the people behind them because they're basically on their heels the whole time. It's not a great experience. And I, I, I didn't know that this was a problem that could be solved, honestly. Uh, you're, you're quite right. And uh, it was really interesting. Um, we knew there was a, a, US, a broad USGA survey a, a couple of years ago where they looked at what are the key experience factors that make golf great. And they found that the top experience factor, and that's no surprise, is course conditioning. So 80, 84% of players say, 82%, sorry, say course conditioning is critical to our enjoyment around. But very, very close to that is at 74% of players saying the pace, the flow of play, the time it takes to play, having open tees, like you're saying, that is critical to me. So that's very close to the conditioning. And, and, and if you think about it, how much money and budget other courses spending on conditioning and it's almost uh, over the last uh, couple of years it's been a bit of an arms race um, but how much are they actually spending on providing 
that other very important factor and, and, and how are they doing it. And, and, and the truth is that in the past and traditionally it has been hard to do because you can't just put more manpower out with radios or, or um, you know, try and get, get, uh, get smart with, with, with processes. And, and that's obviously where technology and, and, uh, and smart systems now uh, come in really handy and, uh, and, and make, that, make that problem uh, solvable. All right, I'll leave you with this because there's one other problem I'd love for you to fix, and that is when I want the cart girl to show up, I really would love to push a button and have them know that I'm ready for a drink or a snack or something and not wait to find them on the course somewhere. <laughs> yes, that's uh, <laughs> um, the, the beer angels are in high demand. We know that, especially <laughs> when it gets hot now. Um, and uh, our system, obviously the two-way system, you can very easily order uh, a, a beer, and if it's got a state, if they've got a stationary um, a beer cart, then it will tell you how, how long you've got to to go until you get there. Uh, but but maybe interesting on this point, uh, there was a, a recent research study that was released uh, by the USGA again, and, and uh, we were at the innovation symposium that was held in Tokyo just about eight weeks ago. And uh, we were actually uh, lucky to be involved in, in gathering data for this research study that was uh, conducted by uh, two professors from the University of Wisconsin Start. And they're specialists in the customer experience and customer journey, um, and obviously traditionally work with hotel groups and so on a lot. So they looked at what, what does, how does a golf experience work and what um, delights and frustrates uh, the, the players. And they found that there are a thousand touch points in a, in a round of golf. And that comes from yeah, let's go and play around. Where should we go and play? How do we do our booking? Do we phone in? Do we go online? Right through driving through the gates, uh, being greeted, um, checking in, uh, hitting a few balls. So, you know, so very quickly, if you list all of this, you get a thousand touch points. And they found that um, the most polar uh, touch points in terms of experience, and obviously they rate the experience of every touch point in terms of neutral or it's frustrate, uh, frustration or it's uh, satisfactory or it's a perfect frustrator or perfect um, satisfier. The most polar ones are on the positive end to have positive ranger and martial etiquette, to have green and open tees like you mentioned, to if you get onto the tee you don't have to wait, you can just go and play the overall playing speed. These are the top rated and then the bottom rated, funny enough, availability of beer angels and, <laughs> and, 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 and drink carts is, is highly rated but not quite as high as those. And the absolute bottom rated in terms of this is the most frustrating thing that you can do to me in terms of my experience is other speed, corrective pace action done badly, the martial and, uh, and ranger role out there. Because traditionally, like I said, without much data, this has been a, a hearsay and an opinion discussion generally. And that's where players um, get quite uh, emotional and, and build up a wall. And obviously, the, the poor person trying to do their job, uh, they don't have much data to go on. So it's very interesting to see that uh, in, in all these experience points where a drinks card certainly ranks nice and high and, and it's much appreciated, um, those pace and martial-related factors are either super positive if it's done really well or really, really bad if it's done, um, if it's done badly. So, yeah, so if you've got... if, if if you don't have a drinks cart, uh, that's a good thing to invest in, uh, certainly. But uh, the other thing to, to look at doing better would be uh, the pace and, uh, and uh, really empowering somebody to, to add to the experience out there. Making golf a better experience. I think we can all buy into that. Bodo Sieber is the CEO and co-founder of Tag Marshall. Thank you, Bodo. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you. That'll do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. 
This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.